My name is Stuart Mazell. I'm the lead pastor here. It's great to see all of you here. Glad that uh, you're able to join us online. And if you're joining us on the podcast, that's great also. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in, whether it's in person or otherwise. Really want to thank all of you who are here for the first time, visitors. Uh, Thank you for attending. Thank you for showing up to here. We really appreciate you. And I hope that uh, there might be a connection that is made that you would want to uh, learn more about who we are and we can learn more about who you are and we can uh, learn to grow together to be the kind of people God wants us to be. Also want to say happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Um, Maybe you got breakfast in bed. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you got a tie. Maybe you didn't. But I do want to just uh, give a shout out to all the fathers. Um, Thank you for what you do and your families. Today we are continuing our series on the truth about truth. And we will be looking at uh, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 verses 18 through the end of the chapter. And this is what God's word says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in their lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, For their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, 
maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Let's pray. Father, these are hard, hard words. And so by your spirit, would you please give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. Let us really absorb your truth that we would not embrace falsehood, but what is true, what is good, what is right, what comes from you. And Father, I pray that we, all who hear this message today, that we would not think about other people as we listen to this sermon, but that we would hear what you have to say to me, to each one of us as individuals before you. And that wherever we are deviating from your truth, that we would repent, that we would believe the truth, and we would live in light of your truth. We can't do that apart from you, Holy Spirit, so work in us that we would produce real fruit today. For your glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one true God. For our good as a church, and even for the good of the world around us. Amen. In uh, 2010, Martin Scorsese released his neo-noir psychological thriller, Shutter Island. And I don't know if any of you have seen this movie. I'm not necessarily recommending it, just saying. But uh, Leonardo DiCaprio stars as Teddy Daniels in this movie. And he shows up to Ashcliff Hospital for the Criminally Insane on Shutter Island. And he says he's there to investigate the disappearance of one Rachel Solando. Later we learn that the real reason that Teddy is there, the real reason that he took Rachel Solando's missing person case is that he believes a man named Andrew Latis is on Shutter Island. You see, Andrew Latis was the man who killed Teddy's wife, and he wanted to bring this man to justice. Now, there are many twists and turns to this movie, and I hate to be that guy that spoils movies. But here's the spoiler, and if you don't want to hear, just put your fingers in your ears. By the end of the movie, we learn that Rachel Solando never existed. 
and that Teddy isn't Teddy at all. That Teddy is actually Andrew Latus. His identity as Teddy is a delusion. He was lying to himself because of the grief over the fact that his three children drowned and he himself killed his own wife on the same day. And the whole movie was a ruse. It was part of this elaborate role-playing therapy to try to snap him into the truth of seeing who he really was. Crazy, huh? whole movie was based on lies Andrew Latus told himself because he couldn't face the truth. The fact is, all of us are a little bit delusional. We all lie to ourselves. Every single one of us. You know how I know that? Studies show that self-deception is incredibly common. We see self-deception in our overconfidence. Did you know that one study showed that the majority of Americans think that they are smarter than the average American? Now think about that just for a minute. It's impossible for the majority of people to be smarter than the average person. And yet, that's what we think. We see self-deception in the way we cherry-pick information that agrees with what we already believe. See this all the time. We see self-deception when, we, when people around us tell us, I think you have a problem, and we cannot listen to that. We cannot hear it. We can't admit it to ourselves. The honest truth is we all try to suppress the truth. And even though it's like, a, like one of those balls that you have in the pool and you're trying to push it down and it keeps trying to come up, we keep trying to push it down so that we don't have to deal with it. That's the society that we live in and that is where we are as people because the truth about truth is this. Sinners suppress truth. Yeah, I know, it's going to be one of those sermons. Going to make all of us a little uncomfortable by the end. But truth isn't always pretty, and truth isn't always easy to swallow. The truth about truth is this, sinners suppress the truth. Where do I get that? Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. This is what we do as sinners. We suppress truth. We see also in verse 25 that they exchange the truth of God for a lie. That's what we do. We either suppress or we exchange truth for lies. Now, just, just to get this picture in our head, imagine for a moment that you're standing at a vending machine and you're thirsty and you really want a soda or maybe a water. There's a lot of health-conscious people in this congregation. So maybe you just want a, a water. 
from the vending machine. And you're standing there and you reach into your pocket and all you have is a $20 bill. So you look around and you notice that, you notice that the machine will only take $1 bill. So you look around and you see this guy standing over there and you say, hey, do you have change for a 20? And he says, oh yeah, sure. So he pulls out his wallet, he opens up his wallet and he hands you 20 pieces of paper. And as you look at it, you say, this is monopoly money. This isn't real currency. It's from the game Monopoly. And he's like, do you want it or not? I doubt any of us would make that exchange. And yet, that is exactly what we do when we have the truth of God before us and we say, you know what, I don't really like that. I like this better. That's what we're doing. We're exchanging the truth for a lie. We're suppressing the truth. We lie to ourselves because we don't want to face the truth. We exchange truth for a falsehood. We exchange the real for what's fake. We exchange the genuine for what's counterfeit. We exchange reality for fantasy. And we all do this. In fact, what this passage tells us is that sinners tend to deny God and His truth while making something other than God central to life. That's, that's what we tend to do. Sinners tend to deny God and His truth while making something other than God central to life. Again, take a look at verse 18 and following. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. Last, in last week's sermon, for those of you who were here, for those of you who weren't here, we talked about how God always speaks the truth. And when we go to Scripture, because we believe that that is breathed out by God, we know that that's truth. But He also speaks the truth in creation. When God speaks through creation, He does not lie. So when we misinterpret something, when we misunderstand, when we look at the truth of what God has revealed about himself in, in creation and we come up with something else, guess whose problem that is? This passage is saying that at the very least, every single person on earth can know that there is a powerful God who created everything just by looking around them. But we also see that we have a strong tendency to ignore that truth. As verses 21 and following says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And then in verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Here's the truth that it's hard for us to, it's hard for us, but we have to hear it. 
Every single one of us was wired for worship. We were wired for worship. We were created to worship. And we are going to worship something. It will either be God or it will be something else. Now, this passage talks about idolatry. And I know when we hear about idolatry, our first point is to think, you know, about people bowing down to statues. And we go, Stuart, that doesn't happen today. Nobody bows down to a statue in America, at least, maybe in some other country. Tim Keller, in his book, Counterfeit Gods, The Empty Promises of Money, Sex, and Power, and the Only Hope That Matters, says this. What is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God. Anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. An idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel my life has meaning. Then I'll know I have value. Then I'll feel significant and secure. Idolatry isn't about little statues that we bow down to as much as it is worshiping something that is other than God. And we all are tempted to do it. We all have that tendency because we suppress the truth. And, and this suppression of truth leads to all kinds of deviations from what is truly good. The suppression of truth leads to all kinds of deviations from what is truly good. Again, verse 24, therefore God gave them up. Now hold that thought because we're going to come back to that. But God gave them up in the lusts of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That phrase, gave them up, What's going on there? That God is somehow giving people up to other passions and desires that are not godly? What's going on here? I know this is going to sound funny, but when I was in elementary school, I, I rode the school bus to school. Some of you have never had that experience. I know because I'm one of those helicopter parents that drives their kids to school and not let them get on the bus. But back in my day, you got on the bus or you didn't go to school. And at some point in my development, I noticed that the bus always went slower than the rest of traffic. And that bothered me. It bothered me so much. And I actually asked one day if the driver could speed up. And I was told that the bus was going as fast as it could because there's this device on the bus called a governor that keeps it from going beyond a certain speed. What Paul is saying here 
is that as people consistently and willingly ignore God's truth, exchange God's truth for a lie, eventually God removes the governor. And he allows us to speed headlong down the destructive road of sin so that we will see it for what it is. And the further we lie to ourselves and deviate from God's truth, the further our attitudes and our behavior start to show the consequences of our choices. And that's what Paul talks about in the rest of this chapter. In verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up. He removed the governor to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. What God's word here is saying is that one of the indicators, one of the indicators that suppression of truth is happening in a society shows up in our sexuality. And I realize that what I am about to say goes against the grain of where our society is right now. But this passage of Scripture, the Scriptures that I have promised to preach faithfully, the Scriptures that I have promised to study and interpret well, the scriptures that I believe are the truth of God say that deviations from God's intentions for sex show up in the lives of those who suppress the truth. Sex is meant between one man and one woman in the committed relationship of marriage. And any deviation from that, any deviation from that is outside the area of God's goodness. That would include adultery, pornography, rape, sex outside of marriage, and same-sex sexual relationships. And again, I know That does not sound nice in this society. Who gets to say what a person does in the privacy of their own bedroom? I would say God does. God does because God is the one who created us. God is the one who created us in his image. And God knows what is best for us. He knows what is right for us. And when we suppress truth, we deviate from that. But before those of you who are um, saying, it's about time he said something about LGBTQ stuff. Before you go there, recognize that Paul's argument does not stop there. In verse 28 and following. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. 
What were those things that ought not to be done? Verse 29, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness. Malice. They are full of envy. Murder. Strife. Deceit. Maliciousness. They are gossips. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. If this doesn't make you feel a little uncomfortable, you're not really paying attention. It's not just sexual deviations that are a part of the truth suppressing approach to life. It's a whole host of deviations, including things that show up in my life and your life frequently. And that leads us to this surprising and yet important point that Christians are not immune to the truth-suppressing effects of sin. I wish this was not true. I wish that once you believe in Jesus, you automatically just, you know, you always believe the truth and you always trust the truth and you always speak the truth and truth is always just flowing in and out of you and you don't have any worries and that's just not the way it is. Just from the passage, coveting is significant in the church. Envy is significant in the church. Strife is significant in the church. I hate to say this one, but deceit is significant in the church. Gossip, being boastful, disobedient to parents, being foolish, and even faithless. And if you're listening to that and you say, that doesn't describe me, I'm not any of those things, let me remind you what we read this morning in our confession of faith, our confession of our, of our hope that 1 John 1, 6, if we say we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. 1 John 1, 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We're suppressing the truth. And the truth is not in us. In an article, um, in an article entitled Self-Deception in Theology, Joseph Pack writes, 
our fallen self-will and distorted self-love distort how we see things and how we handle evidence. There are tr things are true or false according to how we judge them. And when the will, when my will likes something, it deflects the mind from considering evidence against it. Ooh. We can also spin the evidence and convince ourselves that we believe something we do not really believe. Furthermore, we are naturally inclined to deceive and credit ourselves for good outcomes and refuse responsibility for bad ones. Every time we spin the truth to make ourselves look better, we're living out Romans 1. Every time we manipulate the facts to suit our purposes, we're living out Romans 1. Every time we obfuscate or evade the facts, every time we get defensive when someone tries to point out our wrongs, every time we point the finger or use derisive language about someone else in order to take attention off ourselves, we are living out Romans 1. That's some bad news. Time for some good news. Okay? All of this, all of what I've been saying emphasizes our great need for Jesus. We all need Jesus. I don't care whether your struggle is with same-sex attraction or you just like to gossip. We all need Jesus. We need Jesus because we are truth suppressors and He is a truth speaker. We need Jesus because we try to deceive others, but Jesus will never deceive us. We need Jesus because we deceive ourselves and, and Jesus will never deceive us. We need Jesus because when the morality governor is taken away, we deviate from the way God created us to be. But Jesus promises to give us a new kind of governor, the Holy Spirit, who leads us into the truth who convicts us of our sin and makes us to be more like Jesus. We need Jesus because the truth-suppressing effects of sin are clearly present in our lives if we dare to examine ourselves. And Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And he says, let me help you with that. Let me show you. Let me show you where the poison is and let me remove it. We need Jesus because he is the truth. We need Jesus because by his spirit he leads us in the truth. We need Jesus because we are held in bondage by sin and sometimes we don't even realize it. And yet his truth will set us free. That is his promise. We need Jesus because every single one of us have deviated from God's goodness and only Jesus can restore us and he promises he will. We need Jesus because only he can break the deceptive power of sin in our lives.
We need Jesus because only his life, his perfect, honest life, his death on a cross, taking the poison of our sin upon himself, his resurrection, only Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection can set us right with our creator and put us back on the path where it's not deviating, but living the way we were intended to live, to be the images of God we were intended to be. And so, that leads to an action point. And I couldn't help myself. I gave you an acronym. Affirm the truth. What does that look like? The A of affirm. Admit how you personally suppress the truth. Admit how you personally suppress the truth. Look, we all do it. Okay, I do it, you do it, everybody does it, okay? Let's admit it. Admit it. In fact, if you're unwilling to do this, know that your self-deception is deep indeed. So admit it. And then second, the, the first F, face the truth of your need for Jesus. Again, every single person needs Jesus. There is not a person on the face of the earth that can say, I don't need Jesus. And if they do say that, they're lying. Or at least they're not holding on to the truth. We all need Jesus. So face the truth. And then the next F, find truth in Jesus. Jesus is the truth. All truth is in him. He is full of grace and truth. So if you want to know the truest true of truth, go to Jesus. Don't go outside of Jesus. Start with Jesus. And finish with Jesus, because he will always tell you the truth. The eye of a firm internalized the truth of Scripture. We said last week that all of Scripture is God-breathed, and therefore it's true. So God's word is truth, and if we want to know what is truly true, we need to know and understand the truth of Scripture. And here's where I need to take a, a pause. Um... Some time ago, I recognized that I, I have said some, it's Father's Day, and I have said some things about my dad that I don't think we're honoring. They might be true, uh, but they weren't honoring. So I can't ask for his forgiveness, but I can't ask for yours. And I can honor him today. In the last few years of his life, the picture I have of my dad is with an open Bible sitting in his seat. It was his chair. No one else could sit in that chair, but he sat in that chair and he read the scriptures. He poured over the scriptures. My dad was trying to internalize the truth, to understand it and to really put it into his life. And I'm so thankful for that example at the end of his life that I can say that he helped spur me on to want to know the scriptures more. 
So internalize the truth of Scripture. The R of affirm, (laughs) rely on the Spirit to guide you in the truth. And let me just give you um, an advertisement for next week. Okay, Nathan will be preaching, and he's going to be preaching on how the Holy Spirit's, one of the Holy Spirit's purposes is to lead us into the truth. Okay, you don't want to miss what he has to say about that. So rely on the Spirit to give you the truth. And then finally, meet regularly with other truth pursuers. Here's the the thing about this. Every one of us thinks we know the truth on our own. It's so funny to me how many people, ask my wife, how many people come into the office, her office, she's a doctor, and they come into the office and they say, I was looking up stuff online. And here's what I think I have. And here's what I think you should do for me. We need people to call us out on stuff like that. We need, to pe- we need people to say, hey, wait a second. Not everything you read online is true. And, and are you a doctor? Do you really know how to sort through all of the symptoms that are there? Do you really know all of that stuff? If not, maybe it's a good idea to listen to someone else for a change. Rather than just, this is what I think, so it must be true. Now, meet regularly with other truth pursuers. And if you're not doing that, have I got a great idea for you. Life groups exist in this church. Other people who want the truth. Other people who want to seek the truth in Jesus. And they will help you to walk in the truth, to live out the truth, to know the truth. They will help you. Don't neglect that. So that's, that's, your, that's your action point. Affirm the truth by doing those things there. Admit how you personally suppress God's truth Face the truth of your need for Jesus. Find truth in Christ. Internalize the truth of Scripture. Rely on the Spirit to guide you in truth and meet regularly with other truth pursuers. Now, I know that was a lot. But let me end with this. I know personally how self-deception works. When I was in high school, I was dating a girl and she cheated on me. You know, she kissed another guy while she was supposed to be dating me. So I wanted to get back at her. Well, it's too chicken to actually cheat on her. So I just told her, oh, I cheated on you too, which was a total lie. I told that lie so many times that it got to the point where I believed it. I believed it actually happened. And I had to convince myself that it didn't happen. And then when I tried to tell other people that it didn't happen, they wouldn't believe me because I was so truthful with them about admitting my wrong. That's what self-deception is like, folks. This is why we need to affirm the truth by seeking Jesus because every single one of us
can give in to that deceptiveness of sin and it can mess our minds up. But Jesus will set our minds straight. And we need that. So, in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit, let's grow in affirming the truth of God in our lives. Let me pray that we'll be able to do that. Lord Jesus, you are the truth. You are the life. You are the way. Show us the way. Teach us the truth. Give us your life that we will live in a way that pleases you and that aligns with the truth and lives out the truth for your glory, again, for our good and for the good of those around us. Amen.